0: Hi, I'm Ken White, I serve as the lead pastor of Forest Park Covenant Church, and I'm here with Luke Austin, who's our our worship pastor, and Justin Saxons, who serves as our youth pastor, and we're here to uh, just process a little bit about the events of last week, and also just uh, talk a little bit about where we are in the world, and I'd like to just begin uh, with a short word of prayer, then we're going to start in on a little bit of a discussion with how Luke has been doing, (laughs) so let's just pray. We give you praise, our Father, that you are present here in this room, in the many rooms that we inhabit, and we pray that you will guide and direct us and give us wisdom as we think through all of the things that you have for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Many of you may know, many of you may not know that Luke uh, had COVID and uh, had, uh, had a... Experience with it? You want to tell us how that went for you? Yeah,
1: I had a, I had kind of a rough bout. I was on my back for about eight days. Felt like uh, I had about an eighth of my lungs. Uh, at, at the lowest point, I remember laying on my left side, going, "Okay, I want to I want to lay on my right side, but." is it going to be worth the effort that's expended <laughs> cuz you're going to be hacking and coughing and then have shortness of breath on the other on the other side. The the great news was that there are you know seven other people in my house and the kids had zero symptoms the whole time that's and good. Haley the worst of it, she had to take a nap one afternoon. That's how I knew it was really, really bad <laughs> wow. for Haley. Like, oh man, <laughs> there was a nap that had happened. So yeesh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's still uh, the effects are still lingering. You know, usually once you get on the other side of a virus, you start to feel your normal self, and that just hadn't been the case. I'll still get winded going up a flight of stairs, and or just just have a headache. Or it's still it's still lingering, but I feel like I'm getting stronger day by day.
2: Uh, yeah, yesterday he and Elena were trading like post-COVID war yeah. stories. <laughs> yeah, I'm still struggling with this. Oh, me too. I'm still this. Uh-huh. Oh, me too. Yeah.
1: Hand, handed her Excedrin and said, did yeah. you get the melatonin yet? Because the COVID <laughs> insomnia thing. I mean, oh, there's, really? there's so yeah. many different uh, there's symptoms. There's insom- insomnia. Yeah, there's insomnia uh, that goes with it as well.
0: I heard about the loss of taste and the loss of smell. I didn't mm-hmm. hear about insomnia and headaches yeah. also. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, are you are you working through that right even right now? Yeah, the
1: the headaches uh they they come and they go. Uh, oh. so yeah, but I'm I'm getting better, but it was it, it wasn't something that you battle. I wouldn't say that people battle COVID. I guess those that got in the hospital were truly the battles, but for me, it was just lay down until it it's over. Okay. You just have to word. let it kind of let it happen to you. Yeah.
0: Well, I I have been here for a couple of years now. I think coming up on February 1st will be 2 years and I have really appreciated the energy that you bring in the worship venue. And when we came back, uh, you were you were seated. I was like, oh, he, this must be <laughs> something going on. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, still, we're glad that, that you're, back. you look good today, so we're glad about that. Thank you. Well, we're uh, here today to talk a little bit about something that happened less than a week ago, which was January 6th in the Capitol. And if you were like me, you may have been riveted to the TV. I was watching the T V from about three thirty PM up until about two A. M. And so mm. I just thought it would be helpful to start with what was your experience of that day? What did what did you think? What did you feel? So Justin, I wonder if you could just lead off with that.
2: Yeah, it was kinda it was weird for me because we were driving home from snowboarding. We'd gone snowboarding that day as a family. And most of the day, I'm off my phone. I'm just, you know, t- texting or chatting with you guys or whatever occasionally. And then uh, as we're driving home, I'm driving and everybody else is doing whatever. And Jake, like, starts looking and he goes, Hey, wait a minute. Hey. And he, so he's scrolling through his own feed of different things. And he's, so he's the one that tells us, Hey, look what's going on at the Capitol. Mm. And I'm like, What? So I'm driving and, like, kind of glancing and, like, what are you talking about? And he's like, look. So he's showing us. And then Melissa starts looking. And then they, and we started talking about it, like, oh, my goodness, what is going on? So I didn't really get to dive into it until once we were home and everybody settled and unpacked and stuff. And it was just, like, what? Yeah. It was so hard for me to, like, what in the world? Mm-hmm. Is that? Yeah. yeah. It just was so hard to grasp that yeah, that's and what I, actually happening. Marsh right? and I had
0: just taken a vacation in November of 2019 on Veterans Day. So, being there in that time where we went out to Arlington National Museum and experienced that and experienced the, the somberness of that and the regard for it was really in stark contrast to, to what we saw uh, last Wednesday. And I have some more to say about that, but I wonder to you too, Luke, how how did you experience that day? I
1: felt a lot like just just disbelief, knowing this is this is not America, this is not this is not the country that I live in. There's there's really there's not violence going on at the Capitol right now when they're trying to certify a presidential election. That's this is not a thing that's happening, and yet you're watching it right before your very eyes. I don't think I'd been glued to the TV like that probably since 9-11. And seeing those planes crash over and over and just, just in complete disbelief.
0: Yeah. I think the contrast there is really, or the comparison is a really good comparison. I remember 9-11. I remember the, mm-hmm. the notification you got from other people yep. and then everybody yep. started watching it. There was a, a difference in tone uh, yeah. because it felt as if, our entire nation was being attacked and there was sort of a unity around that, whereas this created a a huge dissonance because these were American citizens that were doing this in the capital and they were doing something, it felt like uh, very violent and uh, very divisive and it was just very difficult to watch. Did you guys watch it into the evening all the way up through the electoral certification?
1: No. After a point, I was like, all right, I just... I couldn't do it anymore, yeah. yeah I probably turned it off at eight, yep. eight, nine, 9 o'clock-ish. Okay. I'm ready, yep, I just, to ready to be done watching the TV. Yeah.
0: I, I watched it all the way up until 2 a.m. Yeah, I didn't, have, I didn't have COVID insomnia either. <laughs> it was very difficult for me to look away. I wanted to see what the senators had to say, and they came back. I mean, I, I should correct that. I didn't know that the senators were going to be on... But once they started, I just had to watch mm. a person after person talk about it. And I also just couldn't get the images of the Capitol uh, people coming in coming into the Capitol building because one of the last times that we had been there maybe about five, six years ago was the first time I ever was in the Capitol building. And you had to, you had to get a ticket. You had to enter in through um, a screening process. It was very difficult to get into the Capitol. You were guided in every step of the way. You couldn't just walk anywhere, nor would I have thought that I could yeah. do that. Yeah. So I wonder what you think, too, about how to how to process what was happening as people were were breaking into the Capitol building, how you thought about that.
2: that I don't even know why, but that was one of my first instinctive thoughts or reactions is wait, h- how could they even get in there? Cause like I had a, I remember doing the uh, state Capitol tour with my kids for part of their, their class. I think it's in fourth grade or yeah fourth grade or fifth grade. And like the security there, you even feels tight yes. and you can't just walk wherever you want or someone's on you like that. And so the fact that they could just kind of stroll right into what seemed like really relaxed, low security I couldn't help, like, why am I concerned about security? I don't know, but it it was just weird.
0: And as you were seeing some of the coverage, you were just focused in on the break-ins. You see these people with some sort of a shield breaking through the windows. But as coverage continued, you would pull back and you would see that the Capitol Police were overwhelmed at the barriers. It appeared that at some point, and you don't exactly know what's going on, it could be to, to try to tamp things down, you have Capitol Police allowing people to come through barriers. And then there's just there's just an oddity about it all as you're watching I don't I don't know what you thought as you were watching the- all
1: I could think of was just mob mentality mm. and what how that destroys people's brains and mm-hmm. all of a sudden the the rules go out the window mm-hmm. common sense goes out the window and it all why does it always end up in violence anytime a mob comes out
0: yeah yeah well I do think there is something to that to the mob violence and the the fact that there's some sort of mob uh, mentality that takes over. It it was also interesting to me that after the fact, it's been difficult for people to to actually take responsibility for their own actions. Hmm. And so the actions of the people who were violent uh, is being spoken of by other people and saying, well, it wasn't this group, it was this group. It wasn't them, it was that. It wasn't it was this, but it was much worse than, you know, this, this ongoing thing. It, it just reminded me of the fact that, you know, words matter, actions matter and people have to figure out that when those kinds of things happen, they, they're going to have to take responsibility for them. I mean, I couldn't help, but think when I saw people in the Capitol building, Oh, these people are going to jail. Yeah. Like I I just been in, I've been in Washington DC so much. You don't, you don't go past certain points. Yeah, you're just going to be tackled by people, yeah. and you're going to be put in jail. And so it's been—it was really, really stunning to see that. One of the things that we um, thought we would try to respond to is the idea of what it means for um, us to uh, respond as Jesus followers. And so one of the questions that we wanted to ask is, you know, what's the primary calling for us as followers of Jesus? What are we supposed to do? When we disagree with people, because mm. I think I don't think there's any doubt that there was there's a lot of disagreement. Uh, <laughs> a lot of disagreement <laughs> through the election. After the election, the fact that there were thousands of people gathered around the Washington Monument, there's was a lot of disagreement. The question becomes, what do you do with disagreement? And mm. I just wondered what you guys thought about that.
2: the The that has been like just bouncing around in my head. Is that that phrase where Jesus says, um, you know, the Gentiles, they lord their power over people, but not so with you. You Christians, you people who follow me, that's not how we do this. We don't treat people that way. We don't lord our power over you. And that's just gone over and over and over in my head to this whole thing and to different sides, different positions, whatever. Like the. The blatancy of which people are, like, lording their opinions, lording their ideas, lording their confidence, uh, lording everything, like, over someone, whether it's on Facebook or on a podcast or in the Capitol. It's just, I like, guess, yeah. not so with you. So my hope is Christians are like, wait a minute, this is not how we behave. This right. is not what God calls us to. Mm-hmm. That's what I am thinking.
1: Yeah, I, what's the phrase that keeps coming back to mind is Seek first the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Seek first my kingdom. <laughs> uh, so that helps me, no matter what. I mean, I voted. I know yeah, you guys mm-hmm. voted too. We are gonna, we're going to we're citizens of of Earth, and we're citizens of America, and we have this uh, almost dual allegiance, but it's always going to be to the kingdom first. And that reminds me to pull out of whatever political. Uh, philosophy that I, that I want to go to because as a as a human my my bent is to go uh the thing that I see I see the political leader that's going to be my savior uh, that, that that's what I, I want you 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 can be my savior political leader whoever's on the screen instead of Jesus saying blessed are you who do not see and believe right so I I I just been called out by Jesus to go seek first my kingdom know that my my treasure is in heaven and my my identity is in Christ and his ways and never to a political establishment.
0: Yeah. Well that that particular passage Matthew 6:33 is really powerful in especially in relationship to the what we've called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five through seven, which is where we get some of the strongest wording about not being violent, and turning mm-hmm. the other cheek, loving your your enemy, and praying for them. And so, what we have within that moment is contrary to the ethic of Jesus that he he talks about in Matthew six through se- uh, Matthew five through seven. And what's interesting about that setting is that. He's talking to people who are occupied by a foreign force. You know, Roman, the right. Roman right. army is there, and one of the things that people were known to do was to retaliate in actual anger and physical violence. And some of the adherents to that were named after the shape of the knife that they would use to stab people in the back in marketplaces. Mm-hmm. And so when he's talking about this, he's talking about Responding to your enemy, the the Romans, but he's also talking about his, his the fellow citizens there in Israel. So it's it's a very very powerful thing to to see, and it it's interesting for us to have gone through this last week because it seems to really illuminate uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount and the ethic to which we are called. So I, I I agree. I just don't think that the violence has any way in the kingdom of God. Um, I I also just wonder if we could say just a little bit more about violence. Um, you know, I've just said a couple things there. Um, thinking too about our nation, which started with a revolution, mm-hmm. and so we are our children of a revolution in the sense that we're American citizens, and yet it seems as if we're we're actually called to something different. So what what do we think about that? Because there was so. There was so much violence on that day, and there's been so much violence in our our country over the last several months. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that? That's,
2: I mean, that's. I think the the part that struck me the most that day is you see the Jesus 2020 flags, and you see mm. people claiming to be Christians, and yet their behavior is 180 degrees from what Jesus is calling us to, and that's what frustrated me the most. Like seeing that, like that makes me mad and I have to fight back even my own issues of anger to say, what are you, are you kidding me? What are you doing? You got, that's, and I get mad and I get frustrated because that's not the way of Jesus. Yeah. And you think about Martin Luther King and all the, you know, all these other great leaders, that's not the way of Jesus. We lead and live another way and it's not violence. It's love it's aggressive love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Right. Um, All kind I of saw, opposite of violence. I saw
0: right none now. of that that
2: day. Yeah. None of that.
0: Yeah, and I, I, would, I would just say I, I wonder about that because it was a large crowd. Yeah. And so the number of people that could fit in the Capitol would be in the maybe 1,000, 2,000 mark. But I think that the crowd was at least 10 to 100 times larger than that. So not everybody who was putting up signs was necessarily sure. aligning themselves sure. with whatever kind of violence was going on in there. But when you go into a setting like that and on the other side of that, there are, these are the results. Whether you like it or not, you get associated with that. And that's one of the real difficulties of of being a follower of Jesus Christ or being a follower of anything or being in any of these kinds of group settings that you have to just know whether something is going to happen in that, and you can't always control it. I wonder if you have any uh, thoughts about this uh, issue of violence, what we're supposed to think about. One
1: funny thing. uh, You know, the the InfoWars dude, Alex Jones, how – crazy he is he was the one at the top of the capitol trying to get people to stop doing what they were doing that we have reached a level of insanity of alex jones is the guy (laughs) going hey stop everybody this isn't wrong like whoa that's that was one thing that was just uh it's just just hilarious. And scripture all over, I, I had a couple of passages in Proverbs, the desire of the treacherous is violence. Psalms, the one who loves violence, God hates. Ezekiel, says, God says, enough, you princes of Israel. Put away violence and destruction and practice justice and righteousness. And First Peter talks about how Jesus did not revile, did not fight back at all. Philippians says, "Let your gentle spirit be known to all men." Justin touched a little bit on that. What what are we supposed to be known for as followers of Jesus? And in Timothy, uh, this the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, and patient when wronged. And you got to think uh, you've seen a lot of the polls that have gone on, gone on in the nation as to who thinks the election's rigged and who doesn't think the election or whatever the the problems are. I like, think. We have to be patient if you think you've been wronged, yeah, and that's that's a that's what a call to maturity that scripture just lifts us out of our our humanity and, and, and our sin nature our base sin nature to because yeah. it's i don't I want to take immediate action whenever I've been wronged
0: yeah one of the things that I think about it, I, a lot of things go through my mind, but when I see people moving toward hate and violence in a kind of odd way, it actually verifies what it is that I actually believe, which is that we're all sinners. We're all in need of salvation. You know, I've said this many times in our settings here, that we are not just being gently nudged into heaven. We're in need of a savior. And it just reminded me a number of years ago, I was talking with a friend of mine, Matt, and we're just sharing notes about being involved in ministry. And ministry is just being with people, and so we have this large crowd last Wednesday. It was a large large congregation. Let's just let's just call it that. And in these smaller congregations that we've been involved in, it's easy for people to to degrade or to move into actions that cause real harm to people within the body of Christ. Many people have been in those kinds of situations. That's why, you know, taking it out of the of the thing that we've experienced last week, they've been really scarred by the church. Mm. And he had been really scarred by the church as a pastor. And um, he was just talking to me. It was late at night. And he looked at me and he said, and he's just the most gentle person you could ever meet. He said, what I was really surprised by is what arose up inside of me, which was the hate. And, you know, I'd been going through some difficulties myself and I was like, yep, the hatred. And it's really the decision of what to do with those violent, negative emotions that come up. Mm-hmm. So, that you know, James just says anger does not work the righteousness of God. Right. And I think that the way that we typically think about that anger is is simply, you know, raising your voice a little bit. But we're pastors. We're an arm s- of justice,
1: right? Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> this, this will work.
1: Right. Uh, some kind of justice if I, if I write, because it's the feeling.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, you ride that feeling into violence. And the violence itself, you, after the fact, you justify as something that was you, you called for because what they were doing was wrong, right? And so that's there's just a very difficult um, thing that's going on within the human soul whenever we're in that kind of thing. But it's a, it's a, it's a ter- it was a terrible place for people to be. I think. You know, one of the uh, other things that we were talking about—we talked about a l- little bit earlier—was the contrast between some of the v- the violence we saw on Wednesday and the violence we saw last summer during mm. riots. And we just sort of process that a little bit. Not how did you think about that, Justin? Those two things, how did they contrast for you?
2: Um, to me, the the marches and the protests going on this summer. Um, in this fall, to me that that hurt a little more deeply. To be honest, it just it felt like it went straight to the soul of every small town, of every city, of every neighborhood, um, of every people group I've ever been a part of. And I can see where it's gone on, where racism has happened. I can see the hurt, and I felt like, oh man, we have so far to go. And then, so you just kind of, to me, that seemed much more closer to home versus this seems so far off. Like just it's gotta be some crazy radicals. Like that, that, those can't be my neighbors and friends and people I understand and know. And that's been, that's just my own kind of disconnect as I'm sorting through that. Like that just didn't.
0: Yeah. And, no. and you look, how did you, well, there's a lot to
1: compare there. I, mm-hmm. I think with a uh, just nature of violence, burning, burning down buildings when, when things aren't going the way that that just crying out for, uh, justice, um, I, it the the capital felt so different to me, just because it was a disruption of, I mean, it's almost sac- like a secular sacred that we were talking about earlier of, of this this institution that we do peaceful transitions in this country. It's right. one of the things that distinguishes us from the rest of the world, and it was not happening. So that that just cut a real weird thing well weird weird did something weird to me as as an american
0: yes i i felt that too i felt actually uh, maybe a little bit of both of what you were saying but i felt really upset last wednesday you know having been around the capitol and having been born to a mother who decided to become a United States citizen in 1997. Very proud of that. And also another contrast is that I know our church family knows that my mother passed away on Christmas Day. And so just having written her obituary and thinking through what it means to be an American citizen was really powerful to me. Mm-hmm. And part of being an American citizen is, is so there's so much that's related to that. And one of them is these, these trusts in these institutions. And it just strikes me that uh, there are people in that particular crowd that wanted to just burn it all down. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I could just see that and feel that. And I think that that sense of injustice that a lot of people had on that particular day against the institutions that I would hold dear was, was very difficult to watch the same thing happened with what was going on in the riots during the summer is is that this anger toward this long standing sense of this injustice that was being perpetrated against the African American community it was erupting out in violence and i think that we can see that the thing that ends up happening is that there are people within those crowds who are peacefully protesting i think the the vast majority of people within that crowd yeah. Are, were peacefully protesting, and there were a number of people that were not. And mm-hmm. that same thing can be uh, said about this crowd, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the crowds during the summer. But here's one thing that I think I think is important to say. The crowds in the riots in the summer, that's a different crowd than the crowd that was in the Capitol. And I just would want the people who were in the Capitol and the people that were responsible for bringing them together to own their own to be responsible for their own actions and not say that these actions were because of these actions over here.
2: Mm.
0: I mean that feels to me like um <laughs> like something I would teach my children. Mm. You know, that you you did this over here, Jonathan, and you're you're blaming it on your brother Jesse, but it's it's your responsibility, not his yeah. responsibility. And that's that's one of the things that I really I really felt on that particular day in the aftermath. I mean, when I was watching it, I just was appalled by it. But in the aftermath, I've been actually a little bit appalled by the response to it, too. Have you had any other further thoughts about uh, what happened last Wednesday relative to that? Want to talk a little bit about MLK Day coming up in in just a few days?
2: I've I've seen uh, just a lot of personal friends who friends in ministry, pastors, and other spiritual leaders who've um, they've done two things at least for me. Um, they've reminded me that those people that I want to say they're idiots and they're horrible. How dare they do you know deface the capital or the church or the name of Jesus? <laughs> um, they've reminded me. Well, those are God's children too, mm. and they need your love and grace and forgiveness too, yeah. which (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but that doesn't, that comes a little slower for me sometimes. (laughs) So that's a, that's a, a good reminder for me. Like they need just as much grace as I do. Right. Um, and then the other is to, uh, like be willing to stand up even in your church, even with the people, you know, and love and trust and say, you know, I don't think this is right. And I, I w- for whatever it is, especially when it comes to uh, just as a responsibility of a leader and of a spiritual leader to stand up and say, "I, I don't think God wants us. I don't think this is how we should be behaving, yeah. or I don't think we should be treating people like this." Yeah. yeah. So, it, and I've appreciated that about those people.
1: It's reminded me of the, the church's role here. The church's role is so otherly because we belong to Christ, and. Our weapons, if you're going to call them that, are not like any in this world. We have weapons of love and mercy and justice and, and peace and c- compassion that look so radically different. So, as church leaders, it's it's an easy thing for us to go, hey, guess what we do here? Yeah. <laughs> we pray. Guess what we do here? We, we, we gather, we mourn, we hurt. We, we, we talk, we, we get to be the church and be, be the light in the dark place here,
0: right, right. And I think that one of the most important things about bringing that compassion is is to be able to be with people, to be on the same level. You know we're all God's children, and so we want to be able to just affirm that with each other, and at the same time to take on our appointed roles as as leaders. And I was really struck, you know, I was saying that I stayed up and watched uh, a few things, and I just was struck by the Republican leadership just saying, like Lindsey Graham saying, it's over. And uh, seeing Ben Sass from Nebraska just saying, you know, we're just called to be servant leaders and to love each other, and we have better days ahead. Or Mitt Romney just saying, you're representing these people, and you think that you need to represent the the falseness of what they're claiming, but the burden of leadership is to tell the truth. And, you know, I I just think that what's difficult for people on both sides of the aisle is that it's difficult to see your person lose. But part of our process is to just say, to look at the vote and to say, you had your chance in court, every single thing that was brought up in court was thrown out. Then once you start not accepting that and looking at everything and calling everything corrupt, it's just a crumbling edifice that you're saying is, is falling apart. I don't think that America is falling apart at that level, um, but I, uh, I also think it's very important for us to affirm that we need to, we need to go forward, and we need to accept uh, the election we are going to have a new president inaugurated mm-hmm. in just eight days, and to and to support him with our prayer, just as I supported President Trump with my prayer. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's just uh, as God's leaders do that. We are uh, heading into a, another major holiday, MLK Day. I don't know if there's any words of wisdom we would give to our people as we as we move into that kind of a day
2: together. I've always loved the idea of Hebrews 11 and the idea that we're nomads as, as citizens of heaven, as citizens of another land, another place we're nomads here on earth. And, um, honestly the the more godly, kind, compassionate, loving, uh, serving we are as Christians, we'll be the best citizens around. We'll Mm. be the best neighbors. We could be the best teachers and senators and coaches. And I mean, if we lean into what God's calling us yeah. to as a church, yeah, He—that's what He sets us up for to be the light and to love and serve our neighbor right here, yeah, yeah. and that will make amazing yeah. citizens,
1: reminding us of our root identity in Christ. Yeah, that's really, I think, what's been my biggest takeaway mm-hmm. with as much political violence as there, as there has been. Yes, this is this is. This is where we belong. It's our it's our kingdom. Yeah, yeah. it's it's God's kingdom.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, part of what we wanted to just model today was just having a conversation, uh, not not wanting to throw people under the bus, trying to say what we uh, see appears to be true, uh, being able to say violence isn't the way of Jesus, and to say the kingdom of God is what we're what we're called to serve. So I I think just like uh, Republican uh, Senator Ben says said there are brighter days ahead. I actually do believe that. I also think that there are going to be some difficult days ahead, and uh, we can be praying for our nation. I know there's been some threats uh, all across the nation Mm -hmm. for the— On Inauguration Day. uh, For us and for our state capital. Mm -hmm. So I would like us to be able to pray for them. I'm going to ask Luke if you would just pray and close us in this time.
1: Gracious God, we come before you because we know that you care. We know that you are present and we know that you are sovereign. So we, as your people, cry out for your peace to reign, for your justice to be present, for, uh, for your church to respond uh, in the way that you would have us, in the way and the manner that your Son called us to and was an example for us as people of peace and honesty and love. Let us show that to our neighbors. And be with our nation amidst this turmoil, God. We cry out for your presence to be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks for joining us today.